Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that realizes we should just ask Shohei where he's signing. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman, and why don't we just use our words? Yeah, it can't be that hard. He seems to be someone very easy to get access to and say, hello, Mr. Otani. What is your decision? We are recording this on Friday morning. It is our Friday edition of Baseball Barbacast. And Jake, people have noticed that six years ago today, Shohei Otani made his decision to sign with the Angels on December 8th. And based on the reporting this week in Nashville from John Morosi, who we have to admit has been pretty damn good recently, we may be getting an Otani decision today, tomorrow, Sunday. I would be surprised, Jake, if when we are recording Monday morning, we do not know Shohei Otani's next team. So, we're going to spend a little bit of time doing some 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 final speculation based on the last little crumbs of information we have gotten this week. We're going to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto and where his market stands because I would argue at this point, his is even more interesting. It might not be as important as Otani, but it is, I would argue, more fascinating in a lot of respects. We'll talk about him. We're going to do a couple more Juan Soto things, including something I've been excited to reveal to Jake. For almost two years. How about that? Bryce Harper wants an extension. What does he need an extension for? That seems absurd. The Orioles might have new owners. And Victor Caratini is an Astro. But Jake, we will start with Shohei Otani. John Morosi is using some pretty, pretty big and convincing words that this, this decision here might be coming rather soon. The word he used was imminent. 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 According to the dictionary... Imminent, quote, uh, ready to take place, happening soon. Also, often used of something bad or dangerous, seen as menacingly near. So if you are menacingly near, menacingly near. So if you are a fan of like the Giants and the Dodgers get Otani, that is imminent. That is destruction is imminent. Much more menacing for some fan bases than others. But yes. He tweeted this morning around 8.30, source, just one source. This is, has always interests me when, uh, when, when reporters go with the source or sources. Shohei Otani's decision is imminent, possibly as early as today. Jake, where are you at with this? Where do you, where, obviously we've kind of uh, 
leaned in different directions. There have some some people that have been steadfast since the day the offseason began, since for years that it would be the Dodgers and it was always going to be the Dodgers. We've had so much Blue Jays-related smoke to a degree that is, I would say, first of all, whether he goes there or not, pretty freaking awesome and it fascinating that at the very least, while we haven't had much, like the fact that by all the reports, and it might not even be accurate, but the fact that we are now here with the decision approaching and the main you know, discourse is Blue Jays versus Dodgers. That's a, that's like, let's, let's appreciate that outcome for a second, because that is a pretty wild place to be. Um, but we still don't know much. So last time Otani narrowed it down to seven teams for us. Yep. Thanks in retrospect, Shohei. Now we can kind of do the same thing this time around. So let's handicap the field here. Okay. Here's what we know. Teams that are, as far as we can tell, still in the mix. Toronto. Yep. Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep. San Francisco Giants. Yep. Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Anaheim Angels. Mm-hmm. Atlanta Braves. Okay. We're still keeping the Braves in there. We have no indication that they're not. Um. Okay. Oh, oh, we're, I, I felt like Alex Anthopoulos said enough he to said, make me think no. He said no additional position players. <laughs> okay. Okay. I view, okay. That's fine. Yeah. I, sure. Sure. Braves. I, I, I would be, the first I would five be surprised of the in my head, but sure. I would be yeah. surprised. If you want to take the Braves out, that's fine. So we have a final five Cubs, Dodgers, Giants, Angels, Blue Jays. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that we think those are the five is because we have, Either one had other teams pull themselves out of the running, teams that don't have the payroll that would ever consider it, or teams where it's just impossible to envision that happening. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, the Mets and Yankees, the Yankees, by trading for Soto, have effectively taken themselves out if they weren't in it already, right? That's a good example. Mm -hmm. And we had some reporting that Teams who seem to be fairly aggressive or were expected to be aggressive in the mix, like Texas and Boston, like we said, it seems like they've kind of fallen back. But these final five, there has remained a consistent amount of buzz, including the Angels, because again, we were consistent. I will say we were consistent when we did our Otani special that we would still put the Angels over a lot of these other teams. And so I think that, you know, remains, I think remains true. So... Let's start with the Giants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we know he met with the Giants. We mm-hmm. are pretty sure there was reporting, right, that he went to Oracle Park in San Francisco. And other than that, we've heard very, very little about the yes. Giants. That's yes. all the Giants buzz. I'm just going to take that and bottle yeah, it as up. For this, as for this offseason, yeah, we, we don't. I mean, we knew. We know they've been trying to go big for a long time. We know that they were along with the Dodgers and the Rangers, the most aggressive teams pursuing Otani when he was in high school. Um, those are the the three teams that he said, he's been on the record before saying, like, those are the three teams that go after. So there's a history there. Now, how many of the people that are still with the Giants were there, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You could apply that to the Dodgers too. But anyway, that's that's what we know about the Giants. The Giants, because they have a new manager and a new coaching staff, that adds a level of uncertainty I'm of the belief that Otani's decision will come down to how he feels his relationship will be with the people in the dugout and in the front office. 
And that's why this is so impossible to tell. Usually it's team with location or most money or competitive roster. That's not the case. If whoever Otani thinks is going to be the best people to work with and will create the best environment and situation for him to succeed, whatever succeed means, right? That's who he's going to pick. It's impossible to tell. And so the Giants, I think, is an interesting example compared to these other teams where it's the biggest unknown in terms of culture fit, which might be alluring to him because he can help define the culture and there isn't really a set culture there under Bob Melvin. But at the same time, it's un- there's, there's a lack of clarity, okay? Yep. Then we have the Cubs <clears throat> where Craig Council is in some ways an unknown in that environment, but we have had enough Craig Council that we are pretty sure what Craig Council is going to be. Sure. The one reporting that we had, remember Bob Nightingale said that the Cubs kind of are maybe like five out of five here in terms of their confidence to land Otani. Then Jed Hoyer chewed out Bob Nightingale for this. We weren't sure exactly why that was the case, whether the reporting was untrue or whether it just didn't want to be public. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so the Cubs are, are, are kind of sitting on the periphery of the conversation. Yeah. Here's what fascinates me about them. On one hand, Earlier in the offseason, a lot of buzz about how aggressive they were going to be and that they wanted to be in the mix. Remember, they were a finalist in 2017. They felt like they had a good chance then, and it just maybe wasn't a fit for Otani at that time. Maybe he was committed to going to a smaller market on the West Coast, and he wants he wants the opportunity to, you know, they want the opportunity to, to try again. Now, it's also, it's also hard to deny. If there's any team that's been pretty good at keeping stuff secret this offseason... It's been the Cubs with the whole council thing, you know, like if someone was going to pull off some yeah. crazy thing where they were, there was some level of, of smoke screen and you thought they were out and then they were actually in the whole time. I guess I would have to hand it to Jed Hoyer at this point. The Angels. It's the known commodity. They're probably not going to be good again. They're the team that provides the murkiest path to consistent contention, even more than the Giants. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, not <laughs> even not close. a hot take at all. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Of course. <laughs> I'm curious how Otani has taken in Ron Washington mm-hmm. as a new hire there. Mm-hmm. I think the allure of Anaheim is that Otani doesn't have to change his life. If he likes his life, he's happy with his life, his life will stay pretty much the same. And from the Angels' perspective, obviously, they want to keep him because he's their best player, blah, blah, blah. They also know better than anybody what he is really worth from an off-the-field standpoint, let alone the -the on-the-field standpoint. Now, as for whether Artie Moreno can win a bidding war at this point, I'm skeptical. You know, we've seen him spend money when he wants to, but this is going to be a whole other level. Remember, he is the guy that gave out the biggest contract in baseball history to Mike Trout. So it's not like he doesn't have the money, and it's not like he doesn't want to keep Shohei, but they're still there, right? I know we all said, oh, he's gone. I would still be surprised. And obviously disappointed, but they're there. Cannot deny it. Cannot I think I think they're the most desperate of this group of five. The other teams have pivots. I don't think the Angels Or do. the other teams are good. <laughs> they're either good already or have pivots. So you cannot say the same thing about the Angels. No. Right? Uh, All right. The Dodgers. So the Dodgers. You want to do the Dodgers before the Blue Jays? So again, I mean, it's not not too complicated. They have the best team. They have they can allow him to 
continue living the life that he is living. They have also been interested in him dating back to when he was, you know, 17 years old. He is, if he wants kind of a combination of security, winning, comfort, um, it's not, it's not that complicated. Right. Uh, and, and honestly too, like, yes, he'll be the biggest star on any team he is, but they won't necessarily have the weight of the world on him in the way that it would be at some other places. And I think <laughs> the Dodgers, I can say, do a pretty good job of protecting their players in terms of <laughs> avoiding the media in the cases that they uh, would like that. So I'm sure he would, even though it's like, oh, but now it's the Dodgers, not the Angels, who get more attention. That is definitely true. I imagine a lot of these teams would be able to still afford him the level of privacy during the season that he would like. That is true. Um, However, I think, and I think, um, I think LA and paparazzi culture is maybe something that he is wary of. Like I could imagine, let's say he signs with the Dodgers, right? Yes. I understand Anaheim's in Southern California. It's a different level, dude. Totally. Like if he goes to Starbucks, yeah, he's getting, there are cameras, right? Like that's just how that, Works yeah, but for I the think first couple of months in, in LA. Place. I don't think it would what I don't saying? know. I don't I don't think it would change his life that much. I think he would move. I think he would get a new place closer to Dodger Stadium because he likes if he likes convenience, I think mm-hmm. I I think that there is a heightened level of attention that would be on him in LA that is unlike any of the other markets. And that yeah. brings me to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where I think it would be the I think the reason Toronto is alluring to him is because it has the best combination of a lot of these different factors. It's a competitive roster. He would be able to live his life in relative anonymity. Relative, I said. Like he can't, you know, go to the DMV alone. But you get my point. Or whatever they call it in Canada. The VMD. Everything in Canada is you read it the other way. It's all backwards. Or you just add a U. Yeah. And I think the Blue Jays would give him both the financial package he wants. I think he could be a global superstar there in an international city. And I don't think his life would completely turn upside down. Sure. Uh, I agree with all that. Again, you know, all all the, the data point that we have that we've referenced that the fact that we believe and understand that he went, spent... 24 hours or 36 hours flying across the country to go to Dunedin, Florida to check out their complex is a significant, that is, again, we have very little, we have very little know what we always say. What does Otani want? What does Otani want? What does Otani want? What is he interested in? Who is he intrigued by? That is a relevant data point that he was willing to do that visit, that he wanted to do that visit. Um, And so we can't ignore that. And we know they've been aggressive in recent years. We know that they've succeeded in landing some guys, succeeded in they've missed out on, on others. But it is, and especially in terms of the roster too, it's a great fit of he puts them in a really special plate. Like the, whereas the Dodgers, it's like, okay, yeah, now they're now they're even more big and famous and, and great. And they're gonna win 105 games instead of hundred games or 110 games instead of 105. Blue Jays, like, you can't find a more perfect piece to kind of plug in and put them uh, kind of into that next tier of teams. So, yeah, I mean, they, they do check a lot of boxes, which is, again, kind of shocking when you when you consider when we began this offseason. But 
It'd be great. And and again, I think this is going to come down like he's clearly viewing this in, entirely in his own self-interest, as he should. That's what free agency is. That's what these guys earn. And he's going to do where he feels comfortable, whoever made him feel comfortable. That that means a lot of different things. I want to just track back quickly on the conversation that's the discourse about the way Otani has handled his free agency, the level of secrecy. I wrote a piece about this on Fox. I got a little bit of flack for it. And I think that there, Buster only wrote something on, on ESPN that was somewhat similar. I didn't like. <laughs> don't, I mean, don't, don't. Let's well, be honest. I'm about to. Okay. I'm about to be honest. <laughs> I thought there were aspects of like Buster's piece that were ludicrous and that his tone respectfully was more entitled. I hope. I think tone's very way. important for this conversation. And I want to really be clear about something and then we'll take a quick break. Otani does not owe us anything. His and his camp's decision to approach free agency with an abnormal level of secrecy, and that's what it's been, abnormal secrecy, that is his prerogative, okay? I don't think that it is morally bad. I don't think it makes him a bad person. I actually don't think it should really alter the way we think about him. He doesn't owe the game shit, right? He has completely revamped and restructure the way, the limits, the, 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 literally the limits of the entire sport. And so I think to hold him like in contempt is kind of irrational. However, I think it is inarguable that the way this has happened is suboptimal from an entertainment perspective. I don't want as a member of the media to come across as entitled. I'm not asking Shohei Otani to dance for me. I wrote this in the piece. He should not do LeBron's the decision. He does not need to do the hilariously out-of-touch things that Buster Olney mentioned in the piece, like donating $50,000 to the children of Toronto. Like, that's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying is, because of the restriction of information, it has created, at least for the majority of this process, very minimal buzz. Minimal buzz is bad for us, selfishly, for business. We like clicks. It's how we get paid. But the minimal buzz is also bad. Like, now I want to take, I don't want to use the word bad. It's also suboptimal because it just creates less conversation, less dialogue, and it puts baseball less often in the mainstream mind. Exactly. If there was a rumor once a week about, or like pictures, right? When, we, when Machado went to Philly. If there was a picture of Otani meeting with the Blue Jays in Toronto, that could go in the newspaper there. Mm -hmm. That would go, right? Like that drives interest and anticipation and that's good for the sport as a whole. I yeah. want to be very clear. I don't blame Otani. I think the cultural disconnect is disconnect. I think the cultural difference here is important, right? Like he, he wants... The privacy, that's okay. He really values that. Yeah, it's just not been an extension of how he has preferred it to be during the season, right? Correct. Which, that's a different conversation, but that's in that sense, it's not necessarily surprising. My issue, I guess, is that it is an abnormal level. We are not asking to see his tax returns. Sure. You know, like we don't want to go into his house. I don't need to scroll through his phone. It's right. just been an abnormal level of it. Now, on the other hand, he's an abnormal thing. <laughs> yeah and so i that's that that fits and, and he's earned that and that's why i think that like 
the phrasing missed opportunity feels dramatic, but I think it's I think it's accurate, but it's not on him. He's not obligated to fulfill no. this opportunity that was there. No. But it was there, you know, and we have not Correct. necessarily gotten that. So I think yeah. there is no blame. That's the thing. That's the difference, right? I do not blame him. He should not be blamed. But it is not the most ideal way that this could have happened. I think both of those things could be true. Hmm. However, and I will say, second, sorry. And if you folks like disagree with me about that, let me know why. I'm I'm really interested. Like I'm curious about this because yeah. I I don't think Otani owes us anything. But like I said, I think this could have played out in a more interesting way. Sure. Can I also say though, uh, and then we'll take a break. Um. If we like consider the larger context of free agencies and ones, it's December eighth. Okay, if this gets wrapped up this weekend, that's pretty fast. We've had free agency stretch into January, February, March. You know, like this is truly. I just feel like we're, we're getting so impatient. Now it makes sense because it's the biggest free agent of all time, right? Um, but ultimately, but it's not. I, it's not about the pace, man. Yeah, it's not. I, I don't but think like, it's about the pace. Like, I actually think it's about the timeline of the free agency. Sure. If that makes no, no, sense. No, no, I, We've no. We've known of, that of this was going to happen before New Year's, more or less. Yeah, I th- I, I think so. I mean, I, again, right? We, we, I think we, we hoped and we, we assumed. But I would also say, I guess the last thing is, as we now seemingly approach an actual decision, I am fascinated and excited to see how this actually drops, you know? Like and 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 there and because of the secrecy, there is still potential for a stunning outcome that will not necessarily redeem the whole process, but will make it as memorable of a decision as it would have been had it played out through all these, you know, little hints and clues along the way. We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto, where him and his agent, no problem telling everyone who they're meeting with, no secrets whatsoever, and that makes it interesting in its own way. We'll be right back on Baseball Barbecue. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they're all available right now, just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G.com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Twitter is abuzz with flight tracking at this point. So people are like, ooh, look at this flight. They People that found the private flight from, you know, Anaheim to Dunedin now have identified one from Anaheim to Toronto. Who knows what any of it means? We will have our answers soon enough. I have to say, love flight tracking. Never when it comes to free agency. It is one of the best things. It's like, if we're going to have private jets that are ruining the environment, like we should be able to know where they are. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, speaking of private jets, Steve Cohen reportedly taken I what I assume is not economy class <laughs> across this great planet to Japan to meet with Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Reports of that we know. 
that uh, it sounds like he is not the only one who is, has made the venture um, overseas to go visit Yamamoto. We know that Yamamoto has met with teams here, Aaron Boone saying at the winter meetings that he had already met with Yamamoto. I actually don't know if he said that that was here or in Japan, but I would assume it was here. Um, but the point is, is that Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is considered the top pitcher on the market, despite not having thrown a single pitch in Major League Baseball, 25-year-old right-hander, three-time, you know, Salomore Award winner, Japanese Cy Young. He's been, I mean, career-wise, it's one of the best careers we've ever seen a Japanese pitcher have. And now he's coming over at an unusually young age uh, and is ready to cash in. And why this is way more interesting than the Otani thing, from my perspective, is there are multiple teams that are publicly thirsting after this guy to a degree where when you start thinking about what's going to happen when he decides and what this number ends up being, there will be serious ramifications. And, and as cliche as it is, we are setting up a New York versus New York bidding war, not to mention how desperate Boston should and will be to land a pitcher like him, not to mention a team like Chicago, who if they miss out on Otani, are going to be looking for places to spend and they need pitching, not to mention the Dodgers, where if they miss on Otani, like this is a really, really interesting situation and why the bidding is getting to such an extreme level. But it seems like this is also something where we're going to start getting picking up speed for finalists and whatnot over the next week or so. And I, I'm just, I am so excited to see where this goes because there are going to be some really disappointed teams. And uh, especially if he ends up picking one of the New York teams, it is going to be a, a hell of a hell of a sequence moving forward for, for everybody else. I love the idea that Steve Cohen was in coach though. Can you imagine? Steve Cohen. Oh, was it? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like maybe this is too public, but my literally kids, I got these, these literally kids and <clears throat> their mom was born in Japan and their grandparents are in Japan and they go over every year for a couple of weeks to like visit their grandparents. And they like went recently. Could you Matt and their Mets fans? Can you imagine like they're walking to the back of the plane, like getting ready for the 14 hour flight? Oh, there's uncle Stevie, uncle Stevie, just in the middle seat and coach. Uh, <laughs> Steve Cohen has moments of coming across as relatable. Well, he's slumpy. Like, yeah, yeah. He's a like, slumpy There's dresser. times when I'm like, oh, like that's a, yeah, Uncle Steve. It's like, no, 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 guys. This is one of the richest people in the world. Let's not, let's not be fooled here by the disheveled look. Okay. Let's, let's, let's be, let's not get, you're, let's you're, think about it for more than two seconds and understand what's going on here. <laughs> you're in coach playing like cards against Steve Cohen on the in-flight entertainment screen. Meanwhile, David Stearns is like, who also, you know, was with him. He's like, damn. You know, if, if I was still with the Brewers pursuing Yamamoto, I probably would be in coach. I'd be on a, I'd be taking a boat. <laughs> I'd be taking a boat. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of uh, understand what I'm getting at here. Again, Will Salmon of The Athletic kind of reporting these, these seven teams, seven teams that, that are expected as, as the, the heavy favorites, Blue Jays, Dodgers, Mets, Giants, Yankees, and then two other additional teams that we don't know. But where are you at on this? Like, are you, are you sort of sensing and starting to feel, I know we're still focused on Otani, but... Who do you identify as, as like most important for them to get it? Because all the reporting Mets are making their top priority. It's kind of where I've been at since the beginning of the offseason. I feel like if they are going to spend crazy, it's going to be on him. But where do you uh, where do you kind of see this? The way that Cashman was talking about Soto yesterday, the idea that Soto's acquisition is almost in some ways the reemergence of an empire onto the global stage that we are the Yankees and we will kick your butt and we will get the good players and we will embarrass you because we know that we are an entertainment product 
the Yankees really more than anybody else, right? They are an entertainment product. They're a brand. And beating out Steve Cohen for Yamamoto is... I would be impressed. I would be impressed. I would be very impressed. I would be really impressed. Is it a good thing? That remains to be seen. (laughs) I would like to have Lance Brzezkowski on of Marquee, who did a really interesting video about Yamamoto's pitch mix and how he thinks he might play at the big league level. Yamamoto's really good. I'm not trying to throw water on that fire. But, like, he's not going to come in and win the Cy Young right away. If he does that, I'll <laughs> I, eat my hat. I, I doubt it. But, I mean, who, who's to say? But I, to me, though, again, like, it's the opposite of Otani. Not just that we know the teams, whatever. The other part of the reporting about him is that he wants the stage. And there are a lot of stages oh, yeah. that want to, you know, like. And so that opens up the possibility where it's like, what does he view as the biggest stage? Is it the Yankees? Probably. Is it the Dodgers? Very realistic, you know. Is it the Mets if they're going to give him the most money and he still just is like, yeah, it's New York. Like, there's a lot of possible answers here. So uh, this is another thing where I just, I, I can't wait to see. Because, yeah, if he, and if the Mets, maybe the Mets just blow him away with, uh, like, the Mets outcome is just going to end up being a number that is just so unfathomable in terms of a commitment to someone that's never played Major League Baseball. Like, that'll be fun. And But like you said, if the Yankees get him, that'll be really impressive. And if they both miss... That's a whole other. <laughs> now they're both who have been so publicly thirsting after him. Then, then, then we all get to laugh at both New York teams. So just meet me for a crying party on Randall's Island, right in the middle. <laughs> I guess. I guess what I'm saying is like, if Otani signs with the Dodgers, we're going to be like, yep, okay. Like, there's really no Yoshinobu Yamamoto outcome that doesn't come with like so many other <laughs> massive ramifications for other teams around the league. And again, like the reason he's his free agency is so fascinating is that anybody could be in like 23 teams could talk themselves into it being a worthwhile financial investment that was true at the start of the offseason but now i think we know that the number is going to get so high that that number is clearly coming down of number of teams but it's still true it's still true it still definitely opens it up um to to teams of, of differing levels of of contention contention windows uh, all right, Jake, you were on the Brian Cashman Zoom yesterday. Was there anything else? You just mentioned it earlier, but was there anything else from that uh, Zoom that you wanted to kind of any, any other takeaways? I know you tweeted out one quote that I appreciated that was pretty funny, uh, but was there anything else on there that, that kind of stood out from, from Cashman and also about maybe where the Yankees are going from here in the offseason? First of all, my first Zoom. It was my first like press Zoom. Really? Yeah. Because, yeah, this was like, uh, like obviously, we need to do something, but we're not going to all go to Yankee Stadium because it's not like Juan Soto's there. So let's just And we just got back from the winter meeting. Yeah. So, you know, I know a lot of reporters did the Zoom thing for all of 2020 and some of 21. Like, but clicking on the raise hand button at the bottom of the screen. And then yeah. it goes that feels to you. Good. And, oh, did you do yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I asked. Oh, yeah. You were just like spamming the raise no. hand button? No, I, you know, I just clicked it once. <laughs> Waiting in line behind the Yankees beats who are better at the job than me. And I got my, but I got my moment in the sun yeah. sitting right here in this very chair on the zoom with Brian Cashman. Just, just they, like we are right now. Just like we are right now. And, and, and the Yankees PR person said, Jake Mintz. And I unmuted. You said unmuted. that's me. I said, that's me. I unmuted. And I said, Cash, is there any concern about uh, Aaron judge's toe and him playing center field all next year? And he said, no, we think that, we consider that injury behind him. And he said a bunch more stuff about that. And I said, thanks, Cash. And I muted. Wow, what a professional. See, this is why the BBWA defended you. 
Um, I'm a, I'm in good standing, baby. There's a reason. <laughs> what is? The, but the most interesting. Yeah, but the question is: Is Judge in good standing? Because does his toe still hurt? <laughs> the Yankees certainly seem to think so. The most interesting part of the call was when Cashman said that this acquisition is like part of the George Steinbrenner legacy. And they do this with every acquisition. They did this with Carlos. You know, every addition to the Yankees. Remember, we joked about during the Carlos press conference, right? Like. How it's like every big signing and acquisition is just like a reason to just like, you know, put our, you know, 27 rings underwear on and flex like crazy. Yeah. Um, and talk about how like we are the most important thing. And and the thing is, is like we can all roll our eyes and it's also true. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So I, whenever I think yeah. about like the 27 ring stuff, I laugh. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like, yeah. that's a lot yeah. of rings. And I understand yeah. some of them were you know, fraudulent rings, but it's still more than the other teams, you know, it's still pretty cool. So yeah, that was the most interesting part of the call. And then like my question about the injury thing, talking about judge, the re Cashman's answer about kind of how in a bizarre way, Soto, who's like the highest ceiling, one of the higher ceiling players gives them more depth Mm -hmm. options was Mm -hmm. fascinating to me because the implication there, right. Is that Stanton is going to get injured at some point. And Cash said this earlier in the offseason where he was basically like, we all know he's going to get hurt. So whenever Stanton gets hurt, Soto's just going to move to DH and Grisham will play center and Verdugo and Judge will be in the corners. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing about Stanton, right? It's like, okay, he's going to be hurt. Dude was also just not good (laughs) this past year. Because he was hurt. Because Because he was hurt. Okay, sure. He was not right. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, And But even the year before, like he, there has been signs of decline. Now, are they going to make Giancarlo Stanton a $32 million bench bat? I don't think so. <laughs> if it goes really south, if he doesn't hit, they but might yeah, have to. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this, they're obviously still pretty committed here uh, to, to Big G, and that's and that's fine. And and, it, and by the way, like, I don't want I, – I don't enjoy shitting on Stanton because, like, when he's right, I – oh, my God. Like, he is still singular in a lot of senses. And not even necessarily when he's totally right. Like, we're long removed from any sort of MVP level. That's fine. But – there's still a version of him that is obviously an impactful player that can make this line yeah. even better. But there's just so much risk associated at this point. I mean, it's it's if you watch one game of Stanton and it's like 119 off the bat home run that murdered a fan in the second deck and left. And then it's like running from second to home like he's speed walking in the Olympics. You get both of those things in very, very short amounts of time. And yeah. you can hold those multiple thoughts in your head. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Unleash the Juan Soto thing. All right. On me, here please. we go. So, Jake, story time. Story time. So I hinted I hinted at this yesterday about Juan Soto going to the Yankees was a very big deal for me personally. Not because I am a Yankees fan, that's for sure. But I am a Juan Soto fan. And because I'm a Juan Soto fan, I consume all the Juan Soto content at all times. And I would like to rewind to the beginning of the 2022 season, Jake Mintz. And there was a story that came out courtesy of Tom Verducci. Tom Verducci had like a beginning of the season, like daily cover story for SI that I just plopped in the chat that you and producer Chris can take a look at. And I I don't know if you've read this story uh, before. Um, but remember the the context here. This is the beginning of the 2022 season. And 
Juan Soto is still on the Nationals. And Tom Verducci does this big profile on Juan Soto titled The Legend of Juan Soto, Inside the Mind of MLB's Best Hitter. And at this point in 2022, I am still living in Washington, D.C. I am going to Nats Park quite often. And when this came out, I was like, okay, oh my God, like I get to, you know, the Nats suck, but I still get to watch Juan Soto all the time, which is which is pretty sweet. And so I was reading this and it's just very long and it's talking about his heroics in the World Series and all these incredible details. And it's, it's, a, it's an outstanding story. But there's one excerpt during that in that story that stood out to me, Jake. And I'm going to read it. Ask Soto what he loves most about baseball, and his answer is of an aesthetic, not an accomplishment. Here's the next, that is the, the lead-in. Here's the quote from Soto. And Verducci can really write, huh? Here's a quote from Soto. To see the fade of the ball going to left field, he says, smiling at the vision of it in his mind, I really do love it. Every time I hit the ball to the 399 sign, I love to see the ball that way and the way it is spinning. Heard this from a lot of good hitters. Hitting is like a dance or an art. Every time you see the ball jumping off your bat, you just feel amazing. When you see the way the ball is going and the way the ball tails, it's crazy. It tells me my swing is right. I'm inside the ball. I'm keeping it as tight as I can. Like Kevin Long used to tell me, you keep it tight. You keep it right. So that's some, again, that's like some very specific Hitting insight from Juan Soto. But at the time I read that, I said, every time I hit the ball to the 399 sign, I said, what is he talking about? What, 399 sign? Like, I'm sitting in the Nationals press box reading this, and I'm looking out in left field, and I say, That's, that doesn't say 399. That says 377. Now, if you've been in Nats Park and you've seen this, the 377 is a very strange font. <laughs> And so then I was like, does Juan Soto think that says 399? Does Juan Soto think that the 377, even though he's played like 100 plus games in left field, does he think that that says 399? Like, if so, like, that's just very, very, very funny. But then, because at this point, as the season progressed and the Nationals are terrible and we're all speculating on how much longer he's going to be on the Nationals, then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You know what would be hilarious? If 399 was like on a different stadium in a different place that he's been talking about. And Jake Mintz, there is only one 399 on any fence in any Major League Baseball stadium. And it is left center at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and when I went and saw that and I looked and people have been sharing over the last 48 hours highlights of Juan Soto hitting his homer with the Padres in Yankee Stadium that he blasted off Randy Vasquez, ironically. The first uh, two, his first multi-homer game of his career was in Yankee Stadium as a teenager. So we've seen all those highlights. But there's one more homer that he hit in 2021 that was directly over the 399 sign. And while this is an outrageous conspiracy, this is Taylor Swift-level Easter eggs that you have to be truly beyond beyond committed to believing what you want to believe. I cannot, I cannot get over it. Because when I found this the first time, I was like, oh, Juan Soto's hitting, hinting that he's going to the Yankees in three years in free agency. And I didn't even have to wait that long because now Juan Soto will be hitting balls over the 399 sign with regularity. So I That's present all that to you, Jake, to say, what do you think happened here? Because whether or not he was telling people he's going to play for the Yankees one day or whether or not he thought the 377 said 399, all of these outcomes are funny to me and I love it very much. 
he knew it said 377 and not 399. Feel confident about that. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> that the home run he hit over the 399 sign in Yankee Stadium is probably one of his favorite home runs mm-hmm. because it mirrors this aesthetic that he adores, that he talks about in this article with Verducci. And even more than that, I would imagine, like many people, he sees Yankee Stadium as the default Major League Baseball stadium. Where if you are starting, you know, a scrimmage on a video game, it goes to Yankee Stadium. That Yankee Stadium is the universal home park in a way. And I think that that is indicative of what the Yankees are and how Soto fits into that mentality. And while this silly conspiracy about him telling us that he was going to be on the Yankees one day is obviously goofy, the reason I'm bringing it up is because another element of Soto ending up in the Yankees, and I just sent you the clip so you can see exactly what I'm talking about, um, is like Juan Soto understands the importance of the Yankees. I was reading a story from our good friend Jesse Doherty at the Washington Post early in his career when he played against Cano for the first time and how much he loved Cano and how important Cano was his favorite player. And Juan Soto, now you can't necessarily find anything where it's just like, I was a Yankees fan. This is someone who clearly appreciates the stage and understands, as you, to you said, understand growing up as someone who cared about baseball that the Yankees are the top, right? Again, it makes all 29 other fan bases roll their eyes and want to puke. That's fine. But this is just the nature of it, right? This is just the nature of how a lot of baseball players grow up. And he is so perfect for that in so many ways. So if, if this was one of his favorite runs and this was a specific thing that he was thinking, that this home run, which I just showed you, and it seems like you can understand. I mean, that is, that is the Juan Soto home run. That's why I love this piece so much. And that's why I love this quote so much. Because him able to hit balls like that to left center is what makes him Juan Soto. It's him and Harper are the only people who do that. And Otani. Sometimes. Yeah. It's a little bit different. But but for Soto to have been doing it the whole, like that's basically been his thing since he was like the whole time um, is, 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 is singular. I mean, his, his right chart is, is absurd. And it also is funny to me. The other reason I love this is because it's like, that's what he's thinking. Yankees fans are like, oh, short porch, short porch, short porch. Like, yes, he'll have a couple more homers because of the short porch. But he ain't trying to hit it there. <laughs> And now maybe he's good enough that he'll adjust and he will start trying to hit it there. But I feel like uh, that's not actually the case. So anyway, there's my Juan Soto conspiracy that he was, he told us, he told us three years ago, like I'll be hitting it over the 399 side at some point. My dude, that is an elite nugget that lived up to the hype. Thank you very much. Good. I hope everyone, I hope it gets aggregated and people really start believing it. Uh, All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to hit a few more topics before uh, we get out of here because Shohei Otani is probably about to sign. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the end of a phenomenal episode of Baseball Barbacast. Some mornings, the fastball just comes really good out of the hand. And December 8th is one of those mornings. Let's wrap it up with a couple quick hitters. Scott Boris, mega agent, did his annual winter meetings press conference frenzy, which is one of the stinkier moments of my year. I spent a lot of time on the subway here in New York huddled in, grouped together in tight quarters with other strangers. However, there is no environment in which you get more BO 
than the Scott Boris presser because everyone, especially where where I was right in the front, everyone's arm is up, right? Holding (laughs) out the phone and it's later in the day and it's like the last day of the winter meetings. People, some people haven't showered. It's just a stinky experience. But I bring this up because for the first time, again, I'm a real Jorno list now, motherfuckers. And so I asked Scott Boris a question. <laughs> I know. Little I will old say, me. can I say the thing I appreciate about it is like, I mean, not, not to take credit away from you here. He stands there for a long time and, it, and he, he'll basically, because again, like this isn't a situation where it's like a GM where he wants to stop talking as soon as possible. Like the whole point is that he wants to talk. He wants to hear himself talk. He wants to get his message out there. So he starts up there and there's a hundred people crowded around and getting stinky with Jake in the front. And then eventually people kind of tire out and he's still standing up there on like essentially like a step stool. Like they basically- No, so he was, this time, uh, it was like an SNY, um, like a hard case that you would travel- electronics in you know what i'm talking about like yeah like uh, he was just it was on its side and he was just standing on that like there was no it wasn't like a actual thing it was great but also yeah he stands there for a while and another great part about it is he's getting the 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 questions get more specific as they go so it'll start with cody bellinger you represent him how about that and then it'll be like (laughs) what do you think about eric fetty on the white Sox? and then it'll be like how would Matt Chapman fit in with the Royals? Or it, No one asked that. But it just gets really specific as you go. And then the crowd gets smaller as the questions get more specific. Anyway, I asked about Harper. Because one of the more interesting moments from this past season with the Phillies was Bryce Harper basically saying that he wants a contract extension. This came out during the season. Hilarious, considering that he is a uh, member of the Phillies until the end of 2031. Yeah, let me... Until the end of 2031. So I asked... Boris about it, like, hey, um, does Bryce really want an extension? Which is funny because very rarely do Boris clients ever want an extension. And Scott was like, yes, Bryce wants an extension. He doesn't want this on his mind. He doesn't want any uncertainty. He wants to be a Philly That's forever. That's true. Bryce is barreling towards free agency. And I was like, what? He, they hold are on, only- hold on. Think about it this way. This is how far away Bryce Harper is from free agency. There will be guys that will debut this season that will reach free agency before he does. And okay? next season. Think about that. And next season. <laughs> yeah. There are there, here are a couple other ways to think about how far away he is from free agency. Okay. Corbin Carroll, free agent before him. And he just signed that massive extension. Okay. Oh, with the extension too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there are eight players in the world who will reach free agency bef- after Bryce. After, yeah, I had, I and remember, I have I the list tweet, in front of me. I, I did a tweet about this at some point, but yeah, you'll you'll have it because like like who's basically under contract through 2031, 2032, 2033, like all that stuff. Seeger, Judge, Lindor are in the same class as him. And this is, you know, some of these guys have options, some don't. This is like the first year they can reach free agency. Seager, Judge, Lindor are the same. But guys who are under contract longer, there's only eight. Austin Riley, Mookie Betts, and Wander Franco, whatever the fuck happens with that, those guys are under contract until 2033. Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, 
Trey Turner and Manny Machado are all under contract through, sorry, Riley Betts Franco is through 2032 free agency into 33. Devers, Turner, Machado, Bogarts is through 2033 into 24. And the one man in the world who is under contract through 2034 is Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay. Yeah. And then, and so I guess like Julio is Julio, another one. But those are team options with extent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more. Those are team options, right? Which who knows? I'm just saying this is the the earliest they could reach free. Right. His team options could take him through 34 also. But Correct. Yeah. However, and so this is a hilarious situation where through Boris, Bryce is communicating like, free agency is out of my mind. My fur, my future is relatively murky. <laughs> it's, mind. it's so funny. To me, like, I don't think it's this free agency is on my mind. It's, I think I can play into my 40s and I want it to be with the Phillies. So that's yes. my read on it, right? That's part of it. And Scott said that. Another part of it is he sees himself as underpaid, That's which is true. Definitely accurate. He yep. is the 21st highest paid player in baseball in 2024 mm-hmm. as of right now. And that will go down with Otani and probably Yamamoto and maybe even like Bellinger, but probably not. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's only, I mean, he's making basically 27 and a half million, you know, each of the he's next He's below Chris Bryant. He's below Carlos. Yeah. Like he- and it's interesting because remember, like initially part of when he first signed with them, a lot of it and, and, and to extend it, remember, it was a crazy long deal at the time. Part of it was like, I want to make sure I'm giving room for my team to spend on other things to make sure that we can, you know, build up a championship level roster, which they did. But now that like all that has been established, he's probably looking around like, this is ridiculous. I should be making more. Um, and he so also forewent. He also forewent opt outs. That's another aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Is that he wanted to be in the same place for the rest of his career, and as a result, didn't want opt outs. And like, I think he sees that as like a a favor that he did for the Phillies. And yeah, I think it's a respect thing. And like John Middleton, the Phillies owner, after Harper homered in the 2022 NLCS to send them to the World Series, Middleton was like, "I'm not paying this guy enough. He's a bargain." If you say that. Bryce Harper is going to want more money because he thinks he deserves it. And frankly, based upon where money is in the sport, he does. And so do I think this will happen this offseason? No, the Phillies have no reason to do this unless they think they're really going to piss Bryce off by not doing it. And I don't think we're at that point yet. Yeah. I think Zach Wheeler is a bigger issue. He's a free agent after next season. It's just funny to hear Scott Boris say Bryce is unsettled. <laughs> he wants an extension. Uh, it is very goofy. I will say, like, the Phillies, like, very much not in the news. I know they signed Aranola, but, like, since then, awfully quiet, uh, which is fine. But I, I, well, probably not fine for some Phillies fans. Uh, one final topic, Jake, before we say goodbye, is that, I mean, I'm sure we will cover this more if we get more details. But uh, Orioles getting some new owners? Am I saying the Orioles might be getting some new owners? This would be... This would be a pretty big deal. Uh, listen, listen, folks. The Baltimore Orioles have had the same owner, I believe, since 1992 or 1993. And same family, anyway. The Angelos family. Yeah. Have they done a good job? Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to In say? In some ways. But um, they've certainly had some moments... In the past and in the very recent, recent past that where it's just like, what are we doing here? On top of the fact that it's just like you have an amazing team and your payroll is still XYZ. And by XYZ, I mean not very high. Um, 
the point is, uh, let's just keep an eye on this. <laughs> uh, David Rubenstein, the I love this founder of the Carlisle Group. Jake, what's the Carlisle Group? Uh, and it, I would imagine the group investment. of Carlisles, huh? Right, it's a group of Carlisles. Just concerned. a bunch of Carlisles. Carlisle United. Oh, get it. No, I. What? It's a big investment <laughs> conglomerate. I imagine a, he's worth. It, like, this is a billionaire. This is important. This is a billionaire. Four point six, I believe. Not every owner is a billionaire, and for the Orioles to have one of the billionaire owners would be, as the kids say, lit AF. <laughs> lit AF, and two other things here about David Rubenstein. Number one, happy oh. Chanuka to David happy Rubenstein. Happy Chanuka, that's true. You're telling me, no offense to the Greek community and Peter Angelos, <laughs> but to have yeah. a member of, of our team that's running right. the Baltimore Birds, oh boy. That'd be big my, time, but I'm sure two, there's much more we will learn about Mr. Rubenstein. Much more we will learn, but Jordan, he's yes. from Baltimore. That's the other thing. He yeah. is a Baltimorean. He went to high school in Baltimore. He grew up in Baltimore. Have you down- found videos of him talking yet? No. Have you? No, I'm just saying, like, oh. I need to. That's going to be an important part here. He's probably too rich too to preppy. sound like, uh, you know, Frank Sabatka. <laughs> but <laughs> that he is a Baltimore Jew trying to buy the Orioles. My two deceased. No, that's true. Yeah. Baltimore Oriole fan Jewish grandparents would be jumping for joy in their graves. Happy, happy Chanuka indeed. Um, and the four teams who didn't tweet happy Hanukkah, you know who you are. Oh, there were four? <laughs> there are four teams that didn't tweet happy Hanukkah. I'm just keeping an eye on you. I, we I'm know who you are. I, uh, uh, <laughs> that's anti-Semitism. That that's anti-Semitism, Jordan, is uh, not tweeting happy definitely Hanukkah. definitely not, Let but me, it is funny. Let's be very clear. Let's be very clear. Not anti-Semitism. Yeah. To us if you didn't tweet Happy Hanukkah, that's fine. You know, we uh, got you got seven more nights. <laughs> hey, speaking of Hanukkah. Yeah. We got merch. How do you like Ooh. that transition? Podswag.com slash baseball from now until December 10th, which is soon. Get 20% off plus free shipping on your purchase of $15 or more with code GIFTGUIDE20. GIFTGUIDE2020. Terms apply. Visit SiriusXMStore.com for terms. And to start saving today, Podswag.com slash baseball. Go get you a beanie. Go get you a shirt. Go get you a sweater. Nice little crew neck. We got all that crew neck stuff. goes hard, dude. The crew neck's sweet. We got mugs for your coffee or whatever <laughs> else you want to drink in that. Water bottles, all the like. Shrimp. Um, And we got bucket hats that if you're going on vacation, you know, I'm going on my honeymoon next month. Ooh. Maybe I'll be rocking the, the white bucket hat. Uh, Can I come? Virgin Islands. Looking forward to Can that. Can I come? Can I come? Uh, no, you can't. No. We could have a different honeymoon. We have, we've had so many honeymoons, Jake. I can't come talk- with you guys? What are you talking about? Think about how many different honeymoons we've had. I don't know if <laughs> they've been honeymoons. They've <laughs> been work trips. Um, business trips. You can email us at baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. Uh, and if Shohei Otani does indeed sign today, you will probably hear from us again very soon. But until then... Thank you to producer Chris, who, by the way, is not going to be around for quite a while. He is heading back to the homeland. North Carolina. Producer Chris, <laughs> if you want to hop on and say something, you can. If not, that's also fine. Oh, I got to say, at the winter meetings, being in the Ubers with Chris and people being like, where are you from? And Chris being like, I'm from North Carolina. And the people are like, <laughs> Producer okay. Chris, you're here on the Zoom with your adorable daughter, Izzy. Uh, how are you? I know you're leaving us for a while. You will be back in January. 
but we will of course continue to make podcasts but how are you feeling i'm excited i'm not looking forward to our flight tomorrow that's going to be a little bit flights plural flights yeah we've got three flights tomorrow uh it's going to be around about 24 hours of travel if you think producing a podcast for jake and jordan is hard (laughs) imagine bringing a two-year-old to australia Uh, yeah hey maybe maybe steve cohen can hook you up with the plane That'd be very nice. If Steve's listening, if Uncle Steve's listening and you want to uh, and help me out, just uh, email baseballpublicast at gmail.com and, and let the guys know. And, and, and on soon, to me. because Chris Please, is Please, like really soon. quick. We're leaving yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, while Chris is doing laundry and packing. All right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, have a good weekend. And uh, we will talk to you all again very soon when Shohei Otani is on the rocks. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts.